Hello, welcome to Mod Midwives, a Metro Midwifery podcast. I'm Gina Gerba. And I'm Nedra Hale, and we are home birth midwives serving the Denver metro area. Well, we haven't done a podcast for a while because the last time we did them, we did three in a row and yep. I went on vacation. So it feels like a long time since we've it, had it a It does feel like midwives. a long time. How are you doing? Good. So as you know, I was over at your house earlier and we had this giant lunch and now I'm starting to feel hungry for dinner. I didn't think I'd want dinner, Mm. but now I'm like, huh, as we're sitting down to have the podcast, I'm ready. Yeah. You're like, I'm hungry. Yeah. I don't know how you thought you would make it from lunchtime to bedtime without eating again. I I get so full and then I'm like, oh, I'm never going to eat again. Yeah. (laughs) and yet always yes I'm not very hungry yet but I did make soup for the week so I will have some soup tonight yeah food prep is a big thing for me I have to do my Sunday food prep um if I'm not going to totally blow it all week long so Mm -hmm. it's a huge thing good idea um, well, we realize we haven't had a student oriented podcast for a while Mm-hmm. So today we're going to talk about tips for student midwives. Yes. And I, I think that if you listen over time, you'll see that we have peppered different podcasts with tips, but mm-hmm. um, we haven't really had um, kind of a, an or, a, one oriented to this specifically. So we definitely had, you know, so you want to be a midwife really early on in the mm-hmm. podcast, go back to, I want to say episode three or four. and then. Um, we had life on call, which is a lot of, you know, tips for living, learning to live life on call, but this is a little bit more like tips for students. And we've had tips for preceptors, right? One's tips for students. So yeah. right now we're in an interesting place in our practice. We actually have a couple students. Um, we've got a, you know, kind of a everyday, you know, a phase two student. We'll talk about the phases here in a little bit. And then we have um, a student working with us in a more advanced phase two. So it's been, um, it's been, it's been fun. And it's been a kind of a little, little extra juggling of right teaching responsibilities, but it's been working out great. Yes. I think it's been Um, So I guess just a quick overview of the stages of training, because some of these answers that, so we're going to kind of go through and talk about, you know, just advice that we would give students. Know that some of the answers depend on where you are in your training. Um, You know, the the three phases are, um, the first phase is observations or observed Mm -hmm. births. The second is birth assistant or um, what's it called? I guess it's assistant. Assist is what we say, but yeah, I don't know what it's called. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. um, the third phase is primary under supervision, where the student midwife is acting as the primary midwife, but they're supervised. Right. And so, obviously, some of these answers will be different based on whether you're in mm-hmm. an observational phase versus uh, acting as primary midwife phase. Right. So. Right. Big differences. Um. So what would you start with, with your first tip for students? 
Um, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier and I actually just thought of one that I don't think we talked about, but maybe we did and I forgot about it, but <laughs> I think it's really important. And we've probably talked about this in the past, like touched on it. I think it's really important to work with different midwives, mm -hmm. like, um, you know, in different phases. And I know that the student we're working with right now, that's, um, doing primaries under supervision. She's also doing that with some other midwives. I think that's mm -hmm. really great to mm -hmm. just get different perspectives. But that does lead into one of the things we did talk about earlier, which was to not compare the different yeah. styles of midwives too much. I mean, it's okay to say, hey, you know, I personally click with this style better than this style. But I think just appreciating the differences as opposed to comparing or even judging the differences, I think is yeah. really important. I think it's an interesting transition because I think that you have to go from noticing different styles and different approaches to evaluating different styles and different approaches and kind of learning what is going to work the best for you. Right. When you become a midwife. And so I think that it's natural to say, I don't really want to do it like that. I'd rather do it like that. But the trouble really comes when people are like um, questioning how one, questioning the preceptor, you know, why are you doing this? So-and-so does it like that. Right. That's where the comparison really becomes a problem. Right. Like, yes, that is, that's tricky. <laughs> Yeah. And I, it's fine to ask questions about why somebody's doing something differently, but it's important to couch it in a open-minded, non-judgmental uh, way, I guess. Like what is the mm -hmm. thinking behind this particular thing? Yeah. Tell me more. So I'll give you an example. Okay. Because I usually ask, sometimes students will say things like, oh, I've never seen it done like that before. And I'll kind of say, so tell me what, what have you seen differently? And Mm -hmm. You know, I'll kind of try to draw it out too. But uh, one example is that I prefer to check the perineum for lacerations soon after the yes. birth. As do Often I. right after the, I mean, before the placenta is born. So after mm -hmm. the baby's born and before the placenta is born. Mm -hmm. There's a variety of reasons for this. One is that I, um, you kind of want your game plan. <laughs> you kind of want to know what is coming up here for the next couple hours. Um, and that gives you an idea if you're going to need to suture or not. The other thing is that the endorphins are really high right after the birth. And so I'm a big believer in um, examining and repairing the perineum sooner rather than later, mm -hmm. because um, it's usually more comfortable for the birthing person. So yeah. that is different than a lot of midwives. Do Sometimes it. it's easier to visualize too, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. depending on what's happening with the separation of the placenta, the visualization might be clearer mm -hmm. if there's not a lot of bleeding. Bleeding. Yeah, actually, yeah. that's absolutely true. I mean, 90% mm -hmm. of the time that's going to be true. Yeah. Yeah. So three reasons. There's three reasons why I like to do that. <laughs> yes. um, if you're going to repair, if, if you're going to need to repair, uh, it is it is just really a lot, I think, easier to do it sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just how I was trained. That, you know, so, <laughs> and, it, and I've played with it other ways, but, um, but that's what seems to work for me too. So, you but know, so there both, might be a real reason. 
Yeah. And we've both worked with other midwives who prefer to wait. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some midwives like to do it after uh, a lot of midwives do an herbal bath, which is not part of our routine, but um, like to do it after the herbal bath because it's all everything's cleaned off better. Um, Mm. But that's not our preference. So, yeah, Yeah. I like to get it all done. Just like get get that business done so that you can just like snuggle with your baby yeah the whole rest of the time <laughs> yeah and it's just surprising you would think that after just pushing out a big baby you know a few stitches wouldn't be a big deal but it really is uncomfortable for even with lidocaine yeah. and and local yeah. anesthetics and i i want to be clear also that we do that with the baby on you so you are in fact snuggling your baby yes, yes. it's happening but what but I it's mean, a little like, distracting let's just get it done so that you don't have to think about it again yeah exactly (laughs) um and of course this is with consent if somebody didn't want to do it right away that would be part of the conversation but just as our general routine is kind of how we prefer to operate so that actually leads into one of them which is about asking questions you know there you have to ask questions as a student Mm -hmm. there's no way to process all of the information like just think about how many things happen at one birth there's mm-hmm. no way you can process all that without asking questions, but questions need to be well-timed. So mm-hmm. what would you, how would you guide people about timing questions? Um, especially when we're starting out, I would definitely say to save the questions for when the client is not present mm-hmm. um, for a number of reasons. But um, one, it just seems a little disjointed and two, um, it might be confusing, inappropriate, you know, depending on what it is that we're talking about. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you mean with the client present? Yes. With the client present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually prefer that they, that the questions come at the end of the day, which I recognize as a personal preference. So not even just at the end of each appointment, because I usually have, there's a number of things that have to be done at the end of each appointment. So we have to sanitize the whole office. Oh, I know. The couch and the table and the blood pressure cuff and all of the things. If we Mm -hmm. do labs, the labs need to get labeled. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have a good 15 minutes of work after each appointment. So uh, questions would either make me distracted in answering the questions, or it would make me forget something. <laughs> I mean, forget to do something that I'm supposed to do. I can see that. Yes. <laughs> I'm such a creature of habit. So if I get kind of derailed from my routine, it's kind of challenging. So I prefer that students keep a notebook with them during appointments and jot down questions that they have during the day because well, it's because you won't remember at the end of the day what happened at eight o'clock in the morning. That's just what I was going to say is how on earth do you expect them to remember it yeah. all? The way okay, now I get it. Okay. You have to jot down your questions and, then, and enough information that we can go back and say, oh, that's what you were confused Right, about. right. Yeah. Um, it, it would be impossible. It's impossible from the beginning of the appointment to the end of the appointment to remember everything. I know. So, you know, I've had students, it's interesting because I've had students take, that take a lot of notes and students that don't take any, that don't take any notes. I'm not a great note taker myself. I'm good about making my to-do list or making sure that I write down things I need to do, but I'm not good about like notes are not like how I learn information. Mm. Um, 
but I've had students who will take three pages of notes during an appointment day, you know, just all mm -hmm. kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think that's great. I think you should tap into your learning style. I can mm -hmm. hear one of my colleagues, one of my teaching colleagues laughing at the term learning style because we don't all just have a learning style, but you know, those things that are, that work for you tap into those. Right. And, uh, and use that in appointments you know, or in clinic to decide what, you know, how, how to process all the information. Mm -hmm. Again, it's a lot of information. You know, we could be doing, we could be doing everything from an initial prenatal visit, which includes a general physical to, to a final postpartum, which could include a pap, you know, all kinds of stuff could happen mm -hmm. in yes. the course of one day. Yes. You can so have people true. in each trimester and a brand newborn and a, you know, brand new pregnant person. I mean, just, it's just yeah. so many things can happen. So it's a lot to try to start to weave together. Mm -hmm. um, I think the, mm, I, I want to be, I want to be careful as we move into the next question. Okay. I think it can be a fine line of questioning with an open mind versus contradicting. And right. that's where part of the, that's where part of the, the nuance comes about when the questions are asked. Yes. Yes. Because sometimes it can feel as though, you know, especially if the student is, as I said, you know, they should be getting exposed to different styles and yes. ways of thinking and all of that. So if they are being exposed to a different style and then they question in the present of in the presence of the client what has just you know been said or done mm -hmm. um, yeah that can be that can feel like contradiction mm -hmm. and for for the clients it can be confusing because yes. it's a lot to it's a lot to answer a question like well there's lots of different approaches to this and this is why i like this yeah. In front of the client, because then the client could be like, wait, why, why don't you do this other way? Or, you know, it can, right. it can be confusing when in fact we all have our preferred right. approach. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think that's exactly it. Like the more, the more information that a student is taking in from, from many people, the more, um, it can be kind of confusing for the student, I think too. Mm -hmm. you know, wait, don't we always do this or isn't this always what we do? Right. And it's, um, I mean, just to be, uh, I mean, I don't want to be whiny or anything, but I just want to say that the mental strain of having a student in the office with you can be a lot. Mm -hmm. And if it feels like we're being challenged all day long with mm. contradictions that is really tiring and it's not like we should not be challenged of course we should because we should always be learning and growing but having our day-to-day -day work be that way is just is too much it's too much like if you feel like to, you're needing to defend where it feels like you're edging yeah. into the def needing to be yeah we have to be um we have to be able to stick to a a routine and yeah. this is our style. This is what we do. Sure. We talk about, um, things, but let's not do it all day long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think this also comes into back to what I was saying about this is a, 
very different. This is very different by phase of education. So yeah. in the first phase, the observe phase, uh, really, and, and let me also caveat, even if you're say in phase two, you're in the assist phase and, but you're starting to work with a new midwife, you have to still consider a certain observational period because you're going to have to go to about, you know, 50 prenatal appointments before you know how the flow goes. Oh yeah. And so there needs to be this kind of just intake for a while that doesn't involve. How does this midwife work? Yeah, exactly. That's That's not really breaking it down yet. And Mm -hmm. so that first, it, it, it is just great to kind of just go and show up. (laughs) you know, just, just take it all in. And then as you progress through your training, you know, most midwives will start kind of passing it back to you. But overall, you should only um, reply in such a way that you know that your mentor midwife is going to be okay with. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a million different modalities that midwives refer to or use um, from homeopathy, herbs, essential oils, all kinds of stuff, right? All kinds of stuff. And you want to make sure that you're supporting the midwives practice, uh, you know, the things that they usually use. We refer out for a lot of things. So if -hmm. somebody does want to do homeopathy, they're much better suited to talk to somebody really knowledgeable in that. Um, Right. Or, you know, they're, they're much better served to talk to somebody knowledgeable in that than, than to, for us to answer the question. Definitely. So, yeah, I mean, I guess, so it's just sort of a getting to know the midwife's practice and what, what is she going to say in this situation? There will be time for differentiation and learning your own style and your own approach and adding your own modalities into it, but it's not early on is not the time for that. Um, And then usually, you know, as you progress through your training, you will take on more and more of the answering, you know, once, once, the preceptors know what you're going to say, <laughs> then you'll be given more responsibility for that. But right. <laughs> but again, in front of the client is not the time to figure out what somebody's going to say. Yeah. And just like, I want to just add this little bit that has nothing to do with like interjecting of, um, you know, midwifery related questions. Sometimes it's really best to save your humor for not in front of the clients too, until we really get to know each other because I have had a couple of times where things were said that I would, that almost killed me actually, like a couple of times. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I wish you could say, do you feel like, you feel like I'll tell you later, but (laughs) it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of an off color joke or something. Off color jokes. Um, you know, it's just, you really have to be careful. And I mean, so first of all, know your midwife. Secondly, yeah. know your clients. You know? Yeah. That's yeah. Really I, important. I definitely sometimes tailor my, yeah. my, my less <laughs> straight laced jokes, not for everybody sometimes. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Right, right. That's a good point. Huh. It sounds like there's a good story there, but we just have to leave it alone, I guess. Um, But actually, that does kind of lead me to one of the other things that we brainstormed earlier, which is the prenatal appointment is not the time for 
you to process your own experiences mm-hmm. and share your own opinions and beliefs. It's just yeah. not. And we all struggle with this because midwifery is a delicate balance of opening, uh, opening yourself up to be, you know, in, in order to be, to form a relationship with somebody, you have to open yourself up to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And we midwives have to open ourselves up a little bit so that we can have a relationship with our clients. However, it is a very fine line sharing some information and making it all about you. Mm-hmm. And when midwives have, or students have things that they're processing, um, they can do that in front of the clients. And it's really, really inappropriate um, yeah. to do that. So this is not, we don't want to hear about, you know, it, it, so again, there's a little sharing, but it's a fine line. And this isn't the time for the student to start um, experimenting with that. It's, it's, we're still struggling with it. Yeah. We're all sharing. I still of have ourselves. appointments where I'm like, oh my gosh, why did I? Yeah, I do too. <laughs> why did I go on and on about that? You know, it is, um, so it is, it, it's hard not to overshare, but you, and you do want to be human. You do, yes. if you have a relatable thing to share, you know, Yes, but it's an art that requires a lot of practice, you know, and yeah. so. And so. it's a, and it's a, um, and, and it's easy to step over. It, mm-hmm. I know I do it still, like you said, to this, yeah. you know, to this day, I still do it. But it's, um, it's even more important that the student isn't interjecting. Yeah. On top of, on top of everything else. Yeah. Because it really is about the client. The, the mm-hmm. appointment is about the client and mm-hmm. not us. <laughs> right. <laughs> not about whatever it is that is happening. <laughs> right. And sometimes we share, you know, when somebody just seems like they kind of want a little, uh, so one, one example I can think of is when I might say something like, um, are you interested in having a birth tub for your birth? And they'll be like, I don't know. I feel like I should, but I didn't really like it. And I might say something like, you know, it really didn't do it for me either. You know, so sometimes I share in situations like that just so that they, because sometimes I don't know if it's social media or what, but sometimes there's this like expectation, you know, oh, I have to have a water birth. Home birth equals water birth. Yeah. You know, so sometimes (laughs) I think it's just good to normalize, you know, yeah, it works for some people. We really do recommend it in some cases, but if you've already tried it and it's not your thing, then it's right. great. Go for, go with that. That's totally fine, yeah. you know. So that's kind of the type of thing. Like we can use our our own selves as an example sometimes, but it shouldn't. We shouldn't become the focus of the mm-hmm. conversation. And yet, we don't want to be so professional that they don't know anything about us. And you right. know, people pick their midwife because they connect with them on some sort of human level. So mm-hmm. um, speaking of which is our next podcast, we're going to talk about, um, you know, tips for picking your midwife or questions to ask when you're mm-hmm. interviewing a midwife. Right. Um, yep. Just a little spoiler alert. <clears throat> um, so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think that that remembering it, this is not about you as the student 
it's not about the midwife either, but it's more about the midwife than the student. Right. And then it's really not about the midwife. It's about the client. So, you know, it's sort of like, there's just, we don't want a bunch of big personalities in the room. Yes, exactly. It's so. the hierarchy of, of yeah, what's exactly. happening. Starting with the client, exactly. followed by the midwife, followed by the student. Yes. <laughs> yes. And the, um, I should say that this is all presupposing a model of, the clients in the practice have hired the midwife mm-hmm. and the midwife is inviting the student. Sure. There is also a model where the students find people um, that are, that want the student to be the midwife and then they mm-hmm. find a preceptor to supervise them. That's also a model that is out there. And that's sort of a different situation because that was about the relationship between the student and the client, not the, midwife and the client. So um, I'm talking about the kind of model where the midwives or the the clients have sought out the midwife in this case. So that's good. That's a good point. Um, so what about I see we have a note here about hygiene and appearance. Yeah. So um, I think we would start with what is the established standard of the practice you're working with. Oh yeah. It might be different Mm -hmm. in our practice. We, um, when we're not wearing scrubs because it's a pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) Basically we just wear scrubs now. Yes. We just wear scrubs now. It's not very, I, I have dresses hanging in my closet that I'm looking at right now that I haven't worn in a very long time, but Assuming everything's normal, we in our practice like to dress, um, like dress up a little bit for the mm-hmm. office. And so we don't typically wear jeans. We're not like super dressed up, but we usually, you know, we might be wearing a skirt or slacks, you know, and mm-hmm. a blouse. And if it's you, it's you're wearing earrings, but I usually forget. <laughs> I have not been wearing earrings with covid because the masks are annoying when you're taking them they get twisted up in the earrings so yeah i have been woefully under accessorized during covid and i you know i usually have the things i always wore which i don't wear anymore but i always wore my bracelets and you know and i don't wear anything like that anymore because i don't want to get have to wash another thing so. I know there's so much <laughs> so so you have your established yeah. standard and then there's all the stuff that is always important like making sure that you bathe and brush your teeth and all I mean like I know that this sounds ridiculous to be telling grown people this but it is I mean important. that's true but I think the biggest thing I mean I'm just gonna say it I'm going to crunchy person purgatory here oh no you're not gonna say I, deodorant, are you? <laughs> I am gonna say deodorant because natural deodorant does not work a lot of the time and a lot of us and I've gone through my own phases yeah. now I know that you do wear natural deodorant and I've never smelled your body odor I know I was gonna say do you However, think I think, Gina? <laughs> sometimes natural deodorant does not work yeah I and will say that I do if I'm going to have a long day at the office, I do sometimes wear a standard deodorant. 
okay. to the office and it's and um, births, still, they're sweaty births are yeah, sweaty. I still try to find aluminum free yeah uh, because that's very important to me but I might wear like a mainstream brand um if I'm gonna have a long day for sure yeah. I'm just such a deodorant like I just I have such trouble with it the the natural ones that do work cause me to break out so yeah. Yeah. You've got some like skin sensitivity, but yeah. I agree with you. Sometimes, you know, we definitely work with a more natural crowd, which I totally relate to. That is also what I aspire to do, but it is, um, sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah. And we have issues. So that's more of a problem than brushed teeth and washed hair. And, mm-hmm. but we, but we like in our practice, we like to look at least business casual, I would say. Yeah on appointment days and um also not wearing scents would be oh yeah so important it's important for me i think and i think it's important for me too immediately i'll have a headache yeah yeah and i think our clients a lot of them are sensitive to smells too i mean i just think it actually shocks me if i smell somebody wearing perfume now it seems like mm-hmm. such a normal thing for it not to be okay that it's like what the person is wearing and <laughs> just to be clear we're talking about more like chemical perfume we're not talking about essential oils they rarely bother me mm-hmm. they don't really bother me in fact we have the diffuser going in the office a lot yeah so and it's like, not that you can't smell anything lotions, mm-hmm. like body sprays you know that kind of stuff mm-hmm. can be Boy, I tell you what, I live with all these young men and all their body products. It's a stinky world. Horrible. But they don't smell like BO because they're all obsessed with smelling good. But it's horrible. Well, as you know, my oldest used to work at a mainstream. Can I say the name? (laughs) I don't know. Mainstream. Very common. Everybody probably knows. That everybody goes and buys scented candles at and like scented body sprays and everything is scented like you walk by the door and you can smell it in the hall it's just disgusting and she used to work there and would kind of she'd be like this is an all-natural body spray I'm like it is not not. there's nothing natural about that smell (laughs) whenever people go into the stores I can smell the smell on the people that have been there I bet you could smell it on her yeah <laughs> craziness yeah so I would say that's a thing um now with COVID it's all about scrubs I do not pull my hair back on clinic days but I do pull my hair back on for births because I don't want my hair dripping in birth yeah. tub water and stuff because <laughs> now it's long I mean it's usually so short it's not so a problem long. I know. every time I see it down I'm like whoa well, as you know, I almost always cover my hair anyway, because that's just my thing. But, um, and I have read some articles about about COVID sticking to your hair. So I, I do feel like, I feel like I have to at least wash my hair or rinse my hair with hot water mm-hmm. if I haven't had it covered when I'm, if mm-hmm. I go someplace, you know, I don't know. So I just, but you have read articles about that. Huh? You have read articles about mm-hmm. COVID sticking to the hair. Oh, great. So, but now my hair is really short and so, uh, but it, when it wasn't short, I would pull it back like you do. And then I would just rinse it when I get home. Mm-hmm. So I have not been doing that. I'm probably going to get COVID from my pillow. <laughs> it's just, it can't, the longer my hair is, the less I can do with it. I mean, cause it's 
you know, it makes it dry. If I do too much to it, I can't wash it as often. And when it's short, I can wash it every day. No big deal. Yeah. I mean, I don't wash it every time, but I do, I do give it a hot rinse, but it was getting hard on my hair. Yeah. I mean, because then I have to style it if I've rinsed it. So that's the, you know, it's not just the hot water, it's the styling it too. I feel a little vain at the moment. I'm just going to like move on. Well, you can just do what, you know, what Finley and I did and just like COVID buzz your hair off. (laughs) No. Nope. I no maintenance. <laughs> is it was Samson the one whose hair was the source of his power? I feel like I, I might be like a you Samson. You have really great hair, so I would. But yeah. I like it short. It's not like it has to be long. It's just that it does have to be. Can't do it. I wish I could wear a pixie, like a cute pixie, but it just doesn't work for my face shape at all. Don't know. Um, one thing that you mentioned earlier was that students do need to take responsibility for their own needs. So, Mm. you know, when I have a clinic day, we book it back to back. We book nine to five, no breaks. And we do, you know, we usually have people in and out in 45 minutes because we have to wipe down the office, but that means that we're wiping down the office and getting labs labeled and stuff. So, you know, it, you have to bring food that lends itself to little bites here and there. Sometimes, sometimes it works out that we get a good break. It often works out that we get a good break. People cancel or somebody's kind of in a rush themselves and we have a short appointment here and there, but, um, but you do have to get through the day and still manage to stay nourished and hydrated and masks make it harder to stay well hydrated and true. So it's tricky. Which is, you know, when you and I started working together, (laughs) I had a hard transition period because I, I have to eat like all day long and it was like a hard thing to figure out. I remember we, we had a moment. We had a moment. We had a moment because you know, like I cry when I'm hungry. But um, also, in the last practice I worked in, we would have like we would schedule like a really long lunch, and we would always go sit. We would always go eat at like a fancy restaurant. And stuff. <laughs> How did you manage that? You had so many clients. Oh well, we had like we had them stacked, like you know, every thirty minutes or less sometimes so so fast and we also we were also in there four days a week a lot so it's you know yeah but we had a nice lunch (laughs) it is nice to have a lunch but you do have to take a two-hour break to go do lunch Mm -hmm. and also COVID has what's the point also what's the point because we can't are we gonna go eat on the patio at noodles and company that doesn't sound (laughs) (laughs) because whatever we're still not eating at restaurants anyway well we're eating inside at restaurants which is lovely but it's about to be too cold for that as we learned today on my back so we're gonna just go through the winter without eating in restaurants but that's okay I mean it's just it is what it is yeah um yeah yeah and also at births you know Uh births can go long they you know really always a reminder to have enough food water um sometimes I I used to think I was really flexible about water but it actually turns out most people just have good water but when they don't I just can't drink the water I cannot drink yucky water 
the water in our office is hideous and I can't drink it. So I drink sparkling water all day long. So um, making sure that you have a good size water bottle with you everywhere you go, lots of snacks. Right mm -hmm. now for me taking care of, you know, having the ability to attend to my needs at a birth also means that I have a blanket and I've got yeah. a method to stay warm in my car so that we can take um, maskless naps at births and stuff like that. And so, yeah, it's, um, you know, there's a lot to think about. And um, sometimes my students and I, uh, they're, they're, you know, I have one student that I'm with all the time that we don't mask because we've just, we kind of have a mutual trust about exposure. Mm -hmm. um, so that is, you know, easier to work together to get rest and things like that. But a lot of times we, the birth team are not, we're staying masked together. Right. So, cause we had somebody say, gosh, we have a whole room that no one ever uses. And the problem is only one person can use it. And in, in this right. situation, you still have to wear masks. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so yeah, thinking about how are you going to get rest? What, what do you need to be comfortable if we're waiting, you know, on an early labor in the car or something like that? Yeah, we just um, had a birth. Um, well, I was there. It was the not long for me. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah, we weren't there as long. But the point of this story is that you know I was there for almost twenty four hours, and I had to pack a lot of food, and of course I ordered takeout and stuff too. But um, towards the end, I def I had to like run out and eat a bar because I was like really crashing. And you have to think about like you have to just have supplies. Mm -hmm. to be ready to ready for mm -hmm. those long things it's funny at the last birth I was um this has happened twice now I decided mm -hmm. I need to go get a drink of water and have a little snack and take my mask off and um in this last one the uh, primary student was there too so anyway the past couple times I have gone out taken a drink gotten a bite to eat and something shifted and they um you know, I came back in and there was a baby not long behind. So yep. it's really funny how sometimes just even just kind of taking care of your own needs seems to shift the energy around. It's true. I've seen that lots of times. Yeah. Actually, it happened with a birth. Do you remember that birth lots of years ago where when you like, went okay, to go when to you the went bathroom. To use the bathroom? Yes, yes, that's what I was thinking of. And then all of a sudden the baby was coming and luckily the timing worked out fine and you got, you know, you were there yeah, in time. I, mean, I thought I was going to have to catch the baby. <laughs> it's not like the other, by the way, we don't just leave without anybody there for that right. point in labor, but it's not like somebody else can't catch the baby, but. Right. Yes. Funny. And then the baby fell out. Yes. <laughs> <The end. laughs> um, one thing that I actually, I'm going to save that one for the last okay. uh, students. So it's so exciting when you start going to births because it's so much adrenaline. It's very exciting. Mm -hmm. And it seems like that's what we live for. It seems like this is the pinnacle of what we do as midwives, but it is just the pinnacle. And underneath that pinnacle is an iceberg of other work yeah. that we do. Yep. And it involves not only prenatal and postpartum appointments, it also involves ordering labs, labeling labs, getting the office ready, um, insurance billing, answering emails, answering phone calls, calling mm -hmm. the ultrasound place for the 75th time because they can't read, you know, this form or this, that or the other thing. 
it right. is a huge amount of office work. And yeah. my tip for students would be to engage in the running of the office because that's really how you're going to learn to be a midwife. And it makes you very valuable. It makes you yeah. useful. Yes. And so the more that you're willing to do, it feels, I'm, and I am not talking about grunt work. I am talking about the stuff that we do, the practical right. operations of the practice. Yeah. I think it's so important. So, oh, and we're not even, there's social media, there's, mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah. all kinds of stuff like that too, you know, web page maintenance and so yeah. many things. So the more that the student can engage in the whole practice operations, the better. So that would just be a tip to Definitely. make yourself, to make yourself useful yes. <laughs> in, in lots of different ways. Um, but the last one that I wanted to talk about is um, that you are not expected to know anything. Like, <laughs> I think that the, there is a misconception that if you get feedback, that you've done something wrong and that is not true um, uh, oh yes yeah you know get I, so my tip is to be open to feedback because um because we're you're learning and that's how you learn is to get input from yeah. your mentors and i think it's a real problem when students are defensive about that yeah yeah, it does happen quite a bit. It's it's just mm -hmm. yeah. It's, it's understandable. Nobody likes to get what feels like sure. criticism. But yeah. it's really just feedback. And so I guess I, I guess the point is that being open to it allows yourself to have that kind of mindset of growth, a growth mindset. Mm -hmm. A what's that called? A curiosity. There's something, there's a word for that. Mm -hmm. Um a curious mind or curious mm -hmm. I can't it's 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 got a word I'm sure somebody will tell me what I'm trying to yes, say. Yes tell us what that is. <laughs> but when you're um when you're willing to get feedback you're open to growth is basically what what the bottom line is. Yes. Um and it's hard. It's hard for all of us but definitely but if you already knew how to be a midwife you wouldn't need to be a student true <laughs> so the point of being a student true. is to learn <laughs> i don't know do you have anything that you would want to add to that or any of the other things i just i think it, a lot of students are coming in to it from having done other birth work like mm -hmm. being a doula for example mm -hmm. and i'm trying to be delicate how i say this but you said you're not expected to know anything, mm -hmm. but sometimes they come in thinking they already know everything mm -hmm. about it. And that mm -hmm. is where the feedback I think is tricky because, um, they, um, I don't know, they're like having to shift how they think about something mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. they already had cemented in their mind. And, uh, so but even if it's not that, it's just hard to, it's hard to hear that something needs improvement or, you know, whatever it is. And, but that's just true for everyone who's learning. Yeah. 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 And, and knowing, 
how to be a doula is a different skill set than knowing how to be a midwife. Yes. And I think it's, I think it's a hard shift for a lot of people to go from, I think sometimes being a doula is almost a defensive position where you're like, okay, we're going to try to, we're going to try to support our client to not get the interventions in the hospital that they don't want and all these things or, you know, depending on what it is that the client is wanting. Sometimes the client wants everything, you know, so that's Mm -hmm. not it. But, you know, from a natural birth standpoint, sometimes it's kind of like, okay, Let's defend here's, ourselves. Here's our strategy for yes, avoiding our strategy for avoiding yeah. the interventions, and then coming around to the provider standpoint, where you know midwives are typically very low intervention providers, but finding out that there's reasons for a lot of interventions, mm-hmm. I think, is a big shift. It's a totally different viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a great example. Yeah, um, and. and I think that there is a certain, so this maybe goes back to learning styles again Mm -hmm. that are not a thing. (laughs) You have to explain that to me because I thought that was a thing. (laughs) It is a thing, but the, the, just like anything, not anybody totally fits into one or the other learning style. You know, everybody takes in information in different ways. It's just that we all have sort of preferred um, and effective routes Mm of um, acquiring information. Um, But for me, it is um, a little extra challenging to find ways to teach students who have a very different approach to learning than I have. And I'm totally willing to do it, but, um, but also just realize that we're also human and that, you know, we have, so for example, I'm not actually a verbal processor at all. And so Mm. it's, it's a great skill for a teacher to be a verbal processor because the student can take in a whole bunch of stuff. Like, you know, a student who is a verbal processor can start taking all these pieces of information and and combining them into, you know, the the tapestry of midwifery. But when you're not a verbal processor, um, that's not great for students that are verbal processors. And so, um, so just also acknowledge that, you know, we all have different ways of we teachers have different ways of learning too. And sometimes it's hard for us to meet everybody where they're at. And so for me, that, that looks like feedback later for me, that looks like, okay, at the end of the day, here's some things that I want to give you feedback Mm -hmm. about. Um, I have learned to do that sooner rather than later to not wait a long time um, to provide that feedback. But, um, but it's not going to be a, it's not going to be an organic, this happened and you're getting feedback to it. It's just, it can't be, that's way too disruptive to the day. So, Mm -hmm. um, and I thought, I would have thought I was a verbal processor, but I'm just not, it's all in my head. And then it like comes out. (laughs) Then it spits out. Definitely not a verbal processor. No, you're less of a verbal processor than (laughs) I am for sure. But I'm not, but I'm not a verbal processor. Like I like, I'm thinking about it and then I kind of like to process it. But there's a lot going on up in the head first mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. before it comes out. So, so I guess that's just kind of a, just realize that we also have our limitations and there will be mentors that are a better click than others mm-hmm. because sure maybe the styles match, maybe the approaches and philosophies match better. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. Yeah. We don't want to have a little, you know, army of one type of midwife. We want right. lots of, we want lots of different a midwife who's right for every person which is gonna like 
take us into our next podcast. Right. Oh, yes. <laughs> that is a, that's a great segue, Nedra. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, if you think of any other um, tips that as, as you're listening to this, if you think, oh, I wish I had known this as a student or, mm-hmm. you know, please feel free to email us, Gina at Metro Midwifery or, um, or DM us on Instagram or something or Facebook. Instagram DMs are weird. They come in and I don't see them forever, but sooner yeah. or later I'll see them. Same with Facebook, actually. Never ever Instagram us that you're um, in labor because I will see it when the baby is two years old. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Anyway, send us a note if you can think of anything that we missed or that you know you would have liked to know or. Mm-hmm. that you know when you were a student if you had only figured out x y or z or if you were when you were learning to teach if you'd only figured out x y or z please let us know yes because it's a constant process we're constantly learning and growing so but hopefully a couple things here will resonate with you mm-hmm. all right well speaking of social follow us on all the social medias and um and we'll see we'll be back next week with um I forgot what we're calling it's an ask the midwives it's an ask the midwives episode but it's It's a compilation of questions about hiring midwives yeah yeah we're gonna tackle them (laughs) that's right okay all right have a good week everybody Bye. bye